The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The Gospel of the Lord. We continue in the Sermon on the Mount and come to the center of the sermon, which is this beautiful prayer. We're really quite privileged, actually. God has given us intellect and will and freedom to enter into an intimacy with the Trinity. But then he's gone even more by teaching us how to pray, giving us the prayer right from the lips of Jesus, the Son of God. We just have to think about that for a minute. God has given us how to pray, the prayer that comes from the heart of God. I know sometimes we can take the Our Father for granted, but it is an extremely rich, beautiful prayer. Notice how it begins, Our Father in Heaven, Our. There's no sense of I, me, or mine anywhere in this prayer. It's always Our, Us, together. And that's because we are a community. We are the body of Christ. In baptism, we become children of God, another great privilege, and become brothers and sisters of one another as a result. Deep bonds are forged, and that's why we join with our brothers and sisters. Every time we pray, we're thinking not just of ourselves, but of others, the community. And it's addressed to God, our Father, in the Old Testament, the name of God was revealed from the burning bush, and it was a great revelation. I am who am, Yahweh. Now that is an intimate name because it's linked to the covenant, but even more intimate and underlying all of the names in the Old Testament is this beautiful name of Father because it designates the love and our relationship as children. So our Father in heaven, it's interesting that the liturgy, our sacrifice of the Mass, has at the center of it this prayer, as it is liturgical. Our Father in heaven, the priest says, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In other words, what we're celebrating here and now is linked to the heavenly liturgy. The Mass is going on continually, the angels and saints praising God in heaven and we lift up our hearts to them and to the Trinity, and we join in their praise as they pray for us. Hallowed be your name. That's a great petition. Notice that the first three petitions of this prayer are actually directed to God. We direct our minds first to the one we love. Then the next four petitions are about us. It's a wonderful way to start the prayer. Hallowed be your name. Now, how do we do that? 
in the context of the Mass, when we come, like you are now, and we pray and we reverently celebrate the Mass, what we're really doing is hallowing the name of the Father, because we bring our sacrifices, our whole lives, our week, our work, sufferings, dreams, all of it we bring and lay on the altar, hallowing the Father's name because we're uniting our sacrifice with the sacrifice of the Son directed to the Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that God's kingdom would come down to earth and divinize us so it begins in our heart. We would open our heart that God's kingdom would change us we would direct our lives to building up God's kingdom here and now through obedience, through submission, through trust. Not what the secular culture and nations do sometimes, which is to build these utopias, trying to bring their own form of heaven right there. Nothing afterwards, but right here, right now. That's not building God's kingdom. And then, we come into our petitions. Give us this day our daily bread. When we hear daily bread, we're referred back to the Old Testament where the daily manna was given in the desert as the Israelites journeyed on their way to the Promised Land. That now was a type, a foreshadowing of what we're celebrating today. Daily bread is certainly what we have in food and nourishment. It all comes from God, but more especially our spiritual needs. So super substantial, above nature. So yes, give us our daily food, but then give us the super abundant nourishment of the Eucharist. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Again, because we're a community, we know that we need to forgive one another, and we need forgiveness from God, so God links those two. He will forgive us to the extent that we open our hearts and forgive others. And that's again liturgical because we can't come up and receive Eucharist, claiming unity with God when we're divided amongst his body, when we have issues with each other. So we have the kiss of peace after the Our Father, because we do forgive our brothers and sisters and open our hearts to God. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. We need that so much, as we all know, because there's temptations always and we're subject, we're weak. So we're praying that God would strengthen us, not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but strengthen us against the evil one. So it's a beautiful prayer. And it, when we think about it in those terms, especially linking it to the Eucharist, every time we pray it, like in our private devotions at home, should again, we should think about these things, how we're honoring God and building his kingdom and all the petitions that we need from our Father. This is linked to the first reading as well because St. Paul in his second letter to the Corinthians, he's preaching to his church and his church is in trouble. Why? Because there's outside influences trying to get in and subvert the message. What does he say? I promised you in marriage to one husband to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by its cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. There were these foreign missionaries who were coming in with a different message, a different gospel. 
And the Corinthian church was being tempted by that. Here's where the Our Father is so important. When we pray it daily, knowing what it really does and who it is addressed to, we're reminded of who we are. We're beloved children of God, praying for assistance. And he does give us that assistance. He gives us his grace. So when we pray it every day, and particularly when we come and receive the Eucharist, now that the church is open, we're strengthened against evil and against temptation to get off the mark and start accepting strange concepts from the culture that are contrary to the gospel. So we give our focus to God and plead for his grace. We'll never stray from the truth. We thank God for his provident love and for this ability to come today and to offer our lives and honor the Father and lift up our hearts to God and receive that Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ so that we're strengthened against the day of evil. And one day, God willing, we will join the saints in heaven and there will be a great celebration the holy sacrifice of the Mass now fulfilled in heaven. The Lamb slain, Christ still praying for us. Of course, when we all come to heaven and the time is over and eternity begins, there will be no more need for prayer or sacrifice. We will be in the beatific vision. And that's what gives us hope.